I do want to go skydiving. I think that's on my list of things that scare me tremendously, but would be fun. Oh, you are not allowed to talk to me about skiing in that case. Skiing, I'm no, here's here's my thing. Skiing, I'm like, I might break a bone and that's going to suck for three months. That's going to be, t- I break my leg, I wrap around a tree and I break a leg or something. Oh man, that sucks. Skydiving, if I fuck up, I'm dead. I don't have to deal with sure. any, I don't have to deal with any kind of like, oh, my arm, I can't use my arm the same way I used to be able to. No, no, no. I'm just splattered across a field. I'm fine with that. You pull that ripcord and you have about 10 seconds to be like, well, at least no one can talk shit to me about this. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody can make fun of me about this. Yeah. I I don't have to ask anybody to sign my cast. He says in Chicago Lens, the best podcast about the Green Bay Packers. Uh, We are back after a, a short break in which we've been. We've been very busy people, but I'm Mike. That's Matt. I'm in Chicago. He's in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, first thing, top of the podcast, the most important football development. You saw Godspeed, you Black Emperor, and I'm extremely jealous of you. I did, yeah. That's It's the third time I've seen them. Um, I saw them in Chicago in, I think, 2018 at the Metro, and then now twice in the last year in uh, in New York City, uh, once at Webster Hall and this time at Elsewhere. Um, just a great show every time, man. Um, we I bought special earplugs. Uh, this time normally I've used the little foam ones and this time I said we're gonna we're gonna splurge uh because there's eight to twelve to fifteen people on stage with all of their amps turned all the way up uh yeah it, it was great man they played uh world police and friendly fire um one of the sections off of sleep uh just just great two hours openers just Two guy, one guy with the with drums and one guy with a guitar, and the drummer just never stopped the whole sh- the whole hour that they were opening, just playing around for an hour straight, no breaks. Was one the, piece? Was it Lightning Bolt? No, it was uh, Manas. Okay, um, I forget the guy's name. He was he was. Oh man, I should know it. Um, the drummer was in a group that opened for them in 2018 when I went. And I, I, my buddy, Eric Klein, uh, who plays in a really good kind of punk emo band in Chicago called Grief Eater. Uh, we went and it's, we still talk about it to this day is the most strange opening act we've ever seen. Uh, like a, a shock to your system sure. opening act. Uh, this guy that is believed to be the drummer of Manas is on stage with a guitar. And he starts playing the guitar pretty normally, but by the end, he's sitting in a chair. I think I lost your audio. There was too well, much too much gesticulating. Yeah, 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 I'm pulling chords all over the place. Um yeah. he's he's scratching at his guitar on the on his lap, and then there's a, a woman playing saxophone, and she's just she's playing so beautifully and rhythmically and just kind of like leaning back and forth and rocking, and it's just clashing with his noise, just sharp sounds coming is from his guitar it was all that was great uh but godspeed played for like two hours and change um took your earbuds out at the end when you're outside of the room you're in a different room you take your earbuds out and it's still the loudest thing you've ever heard uh, <laughs> i went when i was at webster hall it's a two-level venue and they were playing on the top floor and so we leave, we're downstairs and we pull them out finally. And we're still like, nope, put those back in. Um, it's 
If you ever get a chance, you gotta see him. I, I saw him way back in the day. Oh, way, yeah, way yeah. back in the like the lift your skinny fists era. That's great. So uh, very much like Godspeed, you black emperor, the Green Bay Packers, the car is on fire and there's no driver at the wheel. Uh, I did that. Uh, this is podcast about the Packers. Matt, it's been it's been a ride watching this Packers team since we last talked after the uh, 15-9 loss to the Detroit Lions, which is hilarious. <laughs> uh, it's uh, they have they have won against the Dallas Cowboys in uh, in Mike McCarthy's return to Lambeau Field, and then lost a uh, one of the worst games I've I've seen this year against the Titans. I watched the fourth quarter of that live and then caught up with the rest of it later on that week. And I wish I hadn't and then lost uh, 40 to 33 at, uh, at Philadelphia. And I want to start with this Cowboys game because of, uh, of two things. One, it's the most recent Packers win and they're their first all the way since the win against the Bailey Zappy Patriots all the way back in, um, in the spring of this year. And also because it's hilarious when Mike McCarthy loses. Uh, yeah, that was a classic Mike McCarthy game. Uh, just a real, he pulled out all the stops. He mm-hmm. wanted to remind us what we had, we had missed. Uh, and I didn't miss it. Um, yeah, some real, real end of game bungling from, from Mr. Mike. Uh, and some other Packers win. I, you know, I, I saw some power rankings bullshit the other day saying the Cowboys are number three. And I was like, that can't be. That just that just can't be true. You can't. We have we have plenty of years of film on Mike McCarthy to know that you can't trust him in an important moment to use his timeouts correctly or to just call the right plays, do the right things. That you, yeah, that, that whatever. Um, good to see a win. Yeah, I I'd been to Chicago and come back to New York in the time span that. It took for them to get another win, so we'll take it. But geez, Louise, with with Mike McCarthy, you you sometimes talk about quarterbacks in the context of this quarterback is a game manager. You know, he's not going to he's not going to lose the game for you. I think I think Jerry Jones saw Mike McCarthy very much as a game manager hire at coach, mm-hmm. in that Jerry Jones can can have unlimited pockets and has enough connections to where the salary cap can become meaningless a little bit. And so he can get who he wants on that team. The facilities are going to be second to none in the NFL. You're going to play in Jerry world, which is the best stadium in the NFL, really, as far as like fan experience and player experience goes kind of by, by consensus of the people who play there. And so you get Mike McCarthy in and you figure this guy's going to manage this team. He's, he's going to make sure that the veterans are happy. Everything is going to be uh, be ship shape. The uh, you know all fifty three players are going to be there on the field. Everyone's going to have their uniform on the right way, and the team is more talented than than the results they're getting. I know Dallas is fair playing fairly well this season, but the amount of talent on that team, they should be getting more out of that team. Uh, yeah, I I really just I don't view Mike McCarthy as a game manager. I guess. <clears throat> He's a game manager from Monday to Saturday. That's what you think he is. That's what you think. He, you know, even with the Packers, outside of Rodgers, it didn't seem like he ever really lost the locker room. Mm-hmm. It, it seemed more like a Mike McCarthy kind of being there for 12, 13 years and going like, all right, I don't really have to do this game planning shit. We don't have to practice that hard. 
it didn't seem like anybody was like, I hate Mike McCarthy. He's got to go. He's a big, dumb idiot. Like, no, he's he's a smart guy. He's a he seems to manage player uh, like attitudes well and do a pretty good job on that front. It's just and even even like first quarter, second quarter until the two minute warning, you're going to be all right. Third quarter, you're going to be all right. It's close game in the fourth quarter where you start to get a little bit worried with Mike. Uh, and I go to the playoff. You're not going to vote people out every time. And this Cowboys team isn't doing that anyways. Yeah, they have they have such a, a good collection of skill players. C.D. Lamb is a fantastic receiver. Dak Prescott is I'm, – I'm a believer in that guy. He's a fantastic quarterback, uh, especially when he's able to be healthy long-term. And then you've got Tony Pollard as as a second string running back with Ezekiel Elliott kind of he'll never be 100% healthy but you like that collection of guys there's playmakers all over the defense they bring in the right free agents in general and sure enough it's 17 unanswered in the fourth quarter and overtime by the Packers to get the win uh, another thing from this game that's going to be a bit of a theme for this entire month of games that we're discussing is this was Christian Watson's first game where he looked like a great NFL player. He's had moments where he definitely looks like he belongs in the league, but three touchdowns on four catches. Um, he looks absolutely spectacular when he gets going in games. Yeah. And, and I think this game starts out with two drops early on. Yep. Uh, you know, and they just say, Hey, we're coming back to you. Be ready. Uh, and he turns that into three touchdowns on four catches. And that fourth catch is like a big time third down uh, conversion. Uh, so yeah, he Watson's the, the, the darling of this game because uh, of the stat line, Aaron Jones finally gets like the carry load that he should be having all year and goes for 24 carries, 138 yards and a touchdown. AJ Dillon, 13 carries 65 yards. Hey, I think the key to this game and why the Packers win in this game is Rogers throws the ball 20 times. Yeah. They run the ball a ton. Rogers doesn't throw the ball a bunch when he does throw it. It's, it's kind of bigger shot plays and you know, we need eight, get eight. Uh, and that's the key to this game. I think that's why the Packers win. That's why they come back. That's why they stay in it. It's, it's, it's taking time off the clock, building long drives, scoring with Christian Watson from, from a little bit out. This also starts the sequence of games for the Packers where the defense goes from healthy and capable to completely decimated by injury. And you know, we've gone from a situation where a month ago you were looking at the defense going like, I love these guys, Devondre Campbell and, and Rashawn Gary. And now you're looking at a team that has to play without these guys and start to piece stuff together without them. And of course the results have, have taken a, a pretty serious nosedive as a result of it and now the Packers are in a situation where we were talking a month ago about how like this is a team that you know they held the Bills to 27 they held the Lions to 15 they held the Commanders to 23 like you should be able to if you have the Aaron Rodgers offense be putting up 24 and winning you know three out of those four fucking games and they just haven't been able to. And now you've, now you've got the situation where, yeah, you're, you're putting a defense together out of sticks instead of out of the guys that you actually wanted, which is going to make the, the back half of the season, the final five games, pretty interesting. I, I think the, the takeaway from the Titans game that was the most interesting to me is, is 
this Packers run defense, is, which has been pretty bad all year, uh, bottles up Derrick Henry, 87 yards on 28 carries. That's 3.1 per carry. Uh, but it's Ryan Tannehill that beats him. And that's kind of the the theme of the Eagles game as well. I mean, they just kind of give up on the run run game side of things. But you got to force Ryan Tannehill to beat you, and he did. Uh, Ryan Tannehill's not bad, but it, it it's I don't know what's happening in the secondary. Kind of everybody, Jair's taking a, a a step back. Razul Douglas is taking a step back. He's not, you know, he's he hasn't turned into a pumpkin. You know, he's he's not. A practice squad guy again, but he's he's not anywhere near what he was last year. Eric Stokes is out. That's difficult. Darnell Savage, they just benched him in the Eagles game. Um, we, we've seen some guys pop up. Keyshawn Nixon's looked pretty good. Rudy Ford's looked pretty good. Uh, but Adrian Amos kind of showing his age. Jair taking a step back and, and Rizul taking a step back is is hard uh, for, for a secondary to handle. Darnell Savage is is a real head scratcher because yeah, we've watched him go from from one of the brightest draft picks that the Packers have made in the last couple of years into a guy that can't stay on the field. And safety is a position that doesn't get a lot of a lot of airtime in the NFL. You rarely talk about like great game breaking safeties, unless you're talking about guys who get involved with the run game or guys that like make big hits or guys who have a lot of interceptions. So it's 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 interesting to me that the Packers have now had two guys at pretty much that exact same position in uh ha ha Clinton Dix and Darnell Savage start well, and then just absolutely fall off completely to the point where they're, you know, Savage isn't, isn't out of town yet, but he's on his way. Uh, he won't be because the Packers picked up his fifth year option. So he's making, I think it's like nine, $10 million next year. And it's fully guaranteed. Mm. So there's no, there's no way out of that. He's going to be here next year. Uh, and nobody's trading for that with what he's put on film this year. Um, yeah, it's it's the same trajectory for both of them. It's like good first couple of years, trending really up, struggle a little bit year three, and then whew, now you're 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 looking bad. Uh I'm I'm glad they made a switch to Rudy Ford. Uh in this in the Eagles game. Rudy Ford looked pretty good. He was flying downfield. Well, he's a playmaker and, and not in the sense that, like he's, I don't think he's the answer at safety for the Packers, but boy, he tries to make plays. And when you watch you know, Savage, Savage and Clinton Dix also have the, the same exact tendency where they've just turned into guys who are not involved on defense. You know, there's, there's no more hard hits. There's no more coming up in run support. It's just they're not there on on your television picture. And uh, Rudy Ford is the exact opposite. Whether he's making a good play or a bad play, he's he's trying. Yeah, and he's he's really he really tries to go downhill to the ball, and it's at least fun to watch. Yeah, I I mean he made that great play on AJ Brown. I remember mm-hmm. another one uh, where they kind of run just like a short sticks route, and Rudy Ford just comes barreling in from nowhere. Uh, to make a stop and be the first one to the ball from like 10 yards deep. Yeah. I, I, I like Rudy Ford. I think it's, he's totally fine for us this year. And then you, you got to kind of figure out where, where do they go from here? Yeah. The team's four and eight. You're not exactly you know, worrying about who's going to, who's going to help you on defense, make that great playoff run at this point. Um, 
because because I don't think that's in the cards for this Green Bay team this year. I think uh, if the Packers win out, uh, the percent at making the playoffs is 40%. So if they were to win every game for the rest of the year, they would have to have everything break the right way. Uh, so it's essentially over. This, this season, essentially over. Aaron Rodgers, uh, you know, has said that he won't stop playing until they're mathematically eliminated, which will probably take a couple weeks. I think they're at 2 or 3% right now. Um, so he looks like he's going to give it a go against the uh, – the Bears next week. Bears, of course, most likely not playing with Justin Fields, who is all kinds of fucked up because he's a running quarterback who plays behind a non-existent offensive line. So, uh, yeah, the Bears. I, I laughed out loud when I found out that the Bears, uh, two options for quarterback behind a running quarterback who is most likely going to struggle to play 17 games a season for the rest of his career were Trevor Simeon and Nathan Peterson. Yeah. Uh, not yeah. not P- Peterman, Nathan Peterman. Yeah. I was excited for the Peterman, but uh, oh, man. Trevor Simeon played last week. Um, Looked like a, garbage. Yeah, of course. In a switch up for the genera- for the ages. I think they said Peterman was going to play. Yep. Uh, and then kind of switched it up at the last minute there. Um, yeah, Aaron Rodgers uh, has been playing with the, an avulsion fracture on his throwing thumb, on his right thumb. And then in the Philadelphia game, uh, gets kind of banged around. The official report, I believe, was an oblique injury, and then Aaron Rodgers at the podium after the game said it was a rib injury and that it was painful and he was struggling to breathe, but it wasn't a punctured lung. Uh, so we haven't gotten any real word on exactly what it is. I've assumed a fracture in the ribs or something like that. Yeah. Um, but I don't believe we've gotten anything official yet. Uh, so yeah, he's, he, he came out of the Eagles game. Jordan Love came in. We got nine snaps of Jordan Love. Um, and Aaron Rodgers going to play on Sunday. Anti-Rodgers guys are going to love these nine snaps from Jordan Love. I've got no problem with those nine snaps that Jordan Love took. He, he put a ball on, uh, on Christian Watson. That's one of the better throws we've seen from the Packers all season. Chris Collinsworth was, uh, was salivating over over Jordan Love's play. I've I've always I've always been of the mind that you either play Love or you trade him before you play him. I I yeah. you know and that's uh you know the Packers have kind of sat too long on that. They can't really follow through with my plan at this point because they've insisted on on humoring Aaron Rodgers I think well past the point where a sensible organization would have sent Rodgers to go play in Denver. And so you've got the problem where you can't really at this point with Rogers on the roster, start playing love consistently until you're mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. And you're getting to the point where it's almost getting too late to trade him because teams are going to kind of know what they're getting. Whereas if teams don't know what they're getting, you could have gotten a much better, much better haul for Jordan love because teams love to gamble with those first yeah. round picks. It, it could even be a boat. Um, I, I, like that they're going to play Jordan Love and and I think that if they were to not play Jordan Love the rest of the year these nine snaps are the thing that's going to launch what you're getting upwards yeah because these are nine almost perfect snaps I mean that throw to Aaron Jones one of the he's six and nine for you know 113 yards and touchdown he has a throw to Aaron Jones that's dropped that is I think the best throw of Jordan Love's career uh him the 
it's a, it's a whole shot against cover two. Aaron Jones kind of running a little boundary streak. Love drops it in in a tight window, puts it right on him, and bounces off Aaron Jones' chest. It's as good of a throw as I've seen him make. Um, the throw to Watson is is just a thing of beauty coming off the play action. The play's developing to his back, just gets flipped around, no hesitation, rips it on him. Perfect spot, touchdown. I, I, Jordan Love looked really, really, really good. Uh, and I'd be excited to see him for a couple more games. I also totally get being like, nope, that's what you get to see, guys. That's what everybody gets to see is nine really, really good snaps from him. And before he comes in, of course, before Rodgers gets all banged up, we were actually seeing some better stuff out of Rodgers. And listeners to this podcast and, and people who watched any any of the Packers at all play have, have watched the same thing I have for the last three seasons, which is the gradual, complete degeneration of Aaron Rodgers throwing mechanics to the point where it just seems like he thinks that every every throw needs to be a falling away uh falling away throw with his plant foot up in the air, jumping up in the air, or just some sort of a sidearm flick. Whereas last week against the Eagles, uh, the broken thumb, I think has forced him to actually put his fucking plant foot down and drive the ball forward, which is, you know, a really revolutionary idea that you can watch 30 other NFL quarterbacks do on a week to week basis. But Roger somehow seems to have gotten the idea that he's above that sort of uh, basic mechanical competency, but he got back to it and God damn it. He looked a little better. Yeah. He outside of the two interceptions, he looked pretty good. The one interception, he just didn't see him. He, yep. he says Tyler Davis should have come across the face. Sure. Um, the other one what, doinked off of like Darius slays the back of Darius slays head or something. Yeah. Um, and eh, tough. Uh, he looked at, you know, the, the plant foot thing is funny. Cause that was his, you know, in, in 2020 when he wins the mvp he's going like yeah i figured something out i'll tell you at the end of the year and it was that he was planting it was that he'd given up on his lower body strength and he worked out a bunch more on his lower body strength because he was driving with his back foot and it made his arm look like he was 10 years younger uh and now two years later we've completely abandoned it um but yeah no he he looked pretty good outside of those those two throws and even those i'm like man sometimes the guy's gonna make a good play they get paid too uh and then love came in and and looked really really good and took a couple under center i think the key to the rogers half of this game is that i think it's the most i've seen aaron Rodgers under center uh this season yeah uh, the most play action the most under center which is what this needs to be uh for this offense to work and i think that the thumb fracture kind of throws that off it's a little bit it's gonna hurt a little bit more to take it straight into you versus catching it and being able to kind of guard it you know um force it onto your other hand whatever uh so we see more shotgun because of that but the under center step is what gets this offense cooking uh and they they look pretty good Longtime fans of the Packers will, of course, remember the end of Favre's career, where he also played a season with a broken thumb and looked like garbage. So, uh, yeah, the the parallels continue, and the parallels remain funny. Um, I think you've been you've been you've been a little bit down on the Eagles all throughout this year, and you know, seeing them seeing them in action, I was wondering if your opinion of of Philadelphia 
and that 10 and one team has changed a little bit. Uh, you know, I I think that they're better than in the NFC, say, like the 49ers. I, I really am struggling to comprehend the 49ers as a Super Bowl contender as I've seen mm-hmm. them in the media. I really am looking at this going like, have we have you guys not been fooled enough over the last? Nothing's changed fundamentally about this. Christian McCaffrey does not change this offense into a, you know, who changed this offense? A quarterback, which is a position that you need to have to win Super Bowls. When's the last time we saw a team win with a Joe Flacco level quarterback? Is it Joe Flacco? I think it might be. Like even Eli Manning was like a good quarterback. Like Nick Nick um, Foles. Nick Foles was a Super Bowl MVP, my man. Yeah, well, Nick Foles was really fucking good that yeah. year. Yeah. So Nick Foles has years where he throws like twenty-seven touchdowns and two interceptions and looks like a certified superstar. And you go like, what? Maybe he's good. Uh, he fooled me. I'll tell you, Jimmy Garoppolo has never done that. Uh, he's always looked like a, a pumpkin. Um, but he looks yeah, like George Clooney. Yeah, he does. He looks like a young George Clooney, which is why he keeps getting jobs, uh, which is why Trey Lance broke his ankle so that young George Clooney could play quarterback again. Um, I think that the Eagles' defense is a real problem. I'll say that. Yeah. I I think all these big-name and Dominican Sue 35-year-old defensive line signings, that means something. The fact that they're signing these old, not very good anyways type of dudes, that means they they have a leaky run defense. Their secondary is all right. Darius Slay is not a superstar anymore. Like, their defense is their biggest issue. Their offense will be able to outscore anybody in the league by any way that they want. Jalen Hurts is a great quarterback, and he can run. Uh, Miles Sanders is a good enough running back. Offensive line is is really good. Wide receivers are are solid it's a balanced offensive attack that can hurt you in any way offense thumbs up defense hey man this is a Packers team that scored nine against the Detroit Lions they scored 33 10 of them with their backup quarterback I I I don't believe in this defense is what I'll say but I think every contender in the NFC has major major flaws so yeah that's I'm I'm still a little bit interested because I, I love the McCaffrey acquisition for the 49ers. And I think it takes a team that was looking for some kind of answer and some kind of identity and gives it to them. And yeah, there's, there's a whole bunch of teams for me that you begin as a doubter. But for me, I get to the point where the 49ers, Vikings and Eagles, like they do just keep on winning. I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of looking for like, what are they, what are they supposed to be doing that they're not doing at this point? I mean, McCaffrey had 15 touches for 49 yards. Like, I, I, I just don't look at that outside of his name mm-hmm. and go like, man, that's really going to shift things. He's a guy who's on a serious snap count, like a 15 to 20 touches a game type of snap. He had that one big week, and hey, man, watch out. Uh, but he's a dude that will break down, and, and Debo's not been playing very well. Elijah Mitchell is their other running back, and he's not very good. I just look at the Niners and I go like, man, they have to have so many things break their way. And the defense has to continue to be the greatest defense of all time type of good and hold teams to seven points for them to win. And I just don't think that'll happen in the playoffs. So who's your, who's your favorite coming out of the NFC for, uh, for a playoff I, run? 
I think I think Philly, but I I don't have a fucking clue in the NFC. This is it really sucks because this is the year if this team was if this Packers team was halfway decent. Yeah. I'm going like, yeah, that that's a Super Bowl run right there. I this NFC is I think really really pretty weak. The AFC is really top heavy, but I think the NFC it's just like four or five teams where you're like, yeah, maybe. I don't know. They don't really deserve it. Interested in your feelings on the Minnesota Vikings who uh, continue to look fantastic there. They are nine and two uh, win against the Patriots. Most recently they, I mean, they got absolutely fucking shellacked by the Cowboys, which is hilarious and good, but they also won on the road 33, 30 at the bills, which was, I think the best NFL game I've seen since uh, Kansas city, Buffalo last year in the playoffs, like this was a legit incredible win for Minnesota in which they needed like pretty consistently incredible play to do it. And, you know, I'm, I'm loath to admit that the, uh, the Vikings ever have a legitimate shot at anything because that's just not how their organization's ever been. But I tell you what, they, they really, they really convinced me of a few things against, uh, against Buffalo and they look, they look to be very good. I I think this, uh, Vikings teams remind reminds me a lot of the first year of Matt Lafleur, uh, where the Packers mm. went thirteen and three and won a ton of one score games and it was really tight and their kind of thing was that they can grind it out, you know, and when they need a stop, the defense will get them a stop. Um, so let me just go through these Vikings scores. So beat the Packers twenty three seven decisive, lose to the Eagles twenty four seven decisive, uh, beat the Lions twenty eight twenty four one score game they went. Beat the Saints 28-25, one-score game. They win. That's two of them. Beat the Bears 29-22. It's a one-score game. That's three Great. of them. Uh, beat the Dolphins 24-16. Eight points, technically. Uh, yeah, that's a one-score game. That's four. Uh, beat the Cardinals 34-26. Um, that's five. Five. Uh, beat the Commanders 20-17. to Six. Six. Uh, beat the Bills 33-30. to Siete. So, Lose to the Cowboys 40 to 3. That one doesn't count. Uh beat the Patriots 33 to 26. That's eight. eight. They have eight one score games this year. Most of them pretty high scoring uh in this year's NFL. Um Kirk Cousins continues to be the worst quarterback in nighttime primetime games that I've ever seen. Uh, my favorite theory is that he has astigmatism. And once the lights ah. get turned on and he just can't see anything. Um so yeah, I just don't trust this Vikings team. I, 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 it reminds me a lot of the 2019 Packers, where like, there's totally a good chance they make it to the NFC Championship, and as long as that's played in the daytime, maybe they get lucky. If it's at night, just wrap it up. Um, if they get any playoff game at night, I think wrap it up. Uh, yeah, it, you know they play the Jets this week. They should absolutely just wallop them. Uh, they're playing. Mike White at quarterback play the Lions. They should beat the Lions. They play the Colts. They should beat the Colts. They play the Giants. They should beat the Giants. They play the Packers. They should beat the Packers. They play the Bears. They should beat the Bears. These are all things that a good team. These are all teams that a good team should beat. Yeah, that's Uh, a that's a favorable closing schedule for the Vikings right there. It's an incredibly easy schedule for them. I mean, they get the Lions twice, the Packers twice, the Saints, the Bears, the Cardinals, the Commanders. I mean, outside of the, the Patriots, outside of the Bills and the Cowboys, like there's nobody I'm looking at on the schedule going like, man, that's tough. Um, 
yeah, I, I, I think the they should go fifteen and two. Uh, and I still would be like, I don't think that they're. I think they could probably score the points. Yeah, I, I, I don't trust. I don't trust any team in the NFC. I think it's for me. I think it's Eagles, Vikings, Niners, and the Niners and Vikings are are pretty pretty close there. Um, you know, I think there's one point in this team in this year where the Vikings had a. He was last. I think he was after the Cowboys game. I think the Vikings had a negative point differential and an, you know, eight and two record. I, 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 I just can't. I can't trust in that. I, I had a moment after Thanksgiving. My dad was down. My dad came with me to Indianapolis, so him and I are, are sitting after Thanksgiving dinner on on Thursday night, watching, watching that Vikings Patriots game. And, you know, we were lifelong Packers fans. My dad is how I, I learned to be a Packers fan. So him and I are sitting and watching this game and we're marveling at how many times throughout the last three decades that the, that the, the Vikings have had one of, if not the absolute best skill players in the entire league and have nothing in their trophy case to show for it. Randy Moss, probably the best wide receiver of his generation he was in uh, he was on the Vikings throughout his entire prime and had one of the better deep ball quarterbacks of that era in Dante Culpepper working with him that entire time and they have nothing for it. Chris Carter might have been the best wide receiver of the pre-Randy Moss generation. Justin Jefferson is is maybe another level of wide receiver of like we've ever seen before <laughs> in, in the league and and once again, you know, there no one will ever believe the Vikings because the Vikings have had these kind of guys before. And Adrian Peterson. Adrian Peter, absolutely, Adrian Peterson. I mean, he won the MVP. Yeah, he was. A, he's a he was back. unbelievable. Yeah. He's the best running back I've ever watched play. He was unbelievable. Um, yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And you know, it's it's like, what is the Vikings five years ago versus today? How many guys are left? Like two. Plus a whole new coaching staff. Yeah. It's a it's a different team all the way back. Whatever. But there's just something about a franchise. Like the Packers will always run yeah. a soft zone and never stop the run. And they have for as long as I can remember. And the Vikings, I just I just can't trust them in a big moment. I I, I can't trust Kirk. I'm a Kirk Cousins supporter in the regular season. I can't trust. I can't trust him in a big moment, man. I can't trust him in a nighttime game. I can't trust him in a week four nighttime game. How am I going to trust him in the playoffs? I want to go back to the New York Jets for just a moment because the last time we had a chance to record this podcast, I said that the Jets should play Mike White, and uh, the Jets played Mike White against the Bears, and Mike White looked like a fucking wizard. Yeah, he looked and, really good. And I just I just want to say for the record that uh in, in small sample sizes, Mike White is a genius, and in small sample sizes, I also look like a genius because of it. Uh 22 of 28 for 315 and three touchdowns. Admittedly, this is in New York against the Bears, but all the same, free this man somehow. Yeah. Get him and off of the damn chats. Some of these passes, man, like the ball zips through the hands of a Chicago bear player yeah. and into the hands of a New York jet and that kind of thing. You can't teach. You can't teach. <laughs> you just can't teach. Stupid. Can't teach luck. Yeah. I uh, can't teach luck. No, he looked, he looked so much better than Zach Wilson looked. And I think that truly this is all this jets team needed 
I do. Does this mean I buy in on the Jets? Absolutely not. Of course I don't. Uh, but Zach Wilson is like truly astronomically bad. I watched some of the Zach Wilson throws, and he's one of the few quarterbacks where I go like, no, I think that I could do that. <laughs> one of the only times I've watched a sport and gone like, no, I could do that. That a five. Uh, I think I could do that. If you gave me ten shots, I can do that one. Um. I want to talk about a guy who steps into a fucking throw, Mike White. Holy yeah, God. He, he's using that whole body. That's um, those are those are angry balls coming out of his hand. I yeah, well, he's fucking pissed. He had to sit behind Zach Wilson. Yeah, that pissed me off too. My favorite quote, I think, man, one of my favorite quotes of the year is Robert Sala talking about how he benched Zach Wilson and saying that Zach Wilson said, Why now? Why me? I want to play. Oh my god! <laughs> Going like, no, uh. man, <laughs> Get the fuck out of here! This guy was wearing like a see-through mask at the draft and like visibly uncomfortable around uh, other black players. And you took him with the number two pick, Brigham Young University, coming out of BYU. You gotta, you gotta have like. I mean, I'm I'm not proposing any sort of actually institutional discrimination against places like Brigham Brigham Young and Liberty, but yes, I am. <laughs> I am. Uh, yeah, you can't trust that's those guys. Sh- that shit is embarrassing. Come the fuck on. Yeah. Um. Eh, what a what a what a mess. Uh. Yeah. He's terrible. He's dreadful. He'll get some Sam Darnold trade package in a year or two. The Jets will be looking at quarterbacks for the rest of eternity. Um. Because they're too good to get a bad enough draft pick to take a good one now. Five um, years from now, they'll be like, remember when we had Mike White. When yeah. he's the third stringer down in, in, in fucking Jacksonville. Yeah. I'll be walking around Brooklyn. I'll see a couple of Mike white, like throwback Mitchell and Ness jerseys. Yeah. And like, man, that was the last time you guys had a winning season. Um, uh, a, a, a random trivia question. Uh, what is, see if you can pull this off the top of your head. What is your favorite throwback or custom Jersey that you have ever seen? Cause I, I like a few good, uh, good Packer ones. I saw a, uh, I saw a a Cletus Hunt Packers jersey That's in the wild one. last year, and I thought that was like I gave that guy a thumbs up immediately. The last time I was at a Packers game, I saw a William Henderson. And I oh really yeah, proud. absolutely. I was really proud of that. I That's fantastic. Henderson. Last time um, I was at a White Sox game, I saw a just absolutely mint Ron Karkovice throwback jersey. I don't know who that is. Uh, you, yeah, you don't know who that is. That's fine. Uh, for for the old for the old folks out there for the retirement home contingent, he was he was a uh, a just a absolute like throwback baseball player for the White Sox. I think they called him like the sheriff or or the something because he looked like a cop, you know, like had a crew cut and was just like you know chaw chaw an old old guy. But uh, yeah, yeah, the car. I always think of the Carcavice jersey and that Cletus Hunt jersey I saw at the Wild in Wisconsin. It's great. Some, I want to some of the better ones. I want a Doug Mankiewicz jersey. Oh my god, classic. Um, that's it. I'm trying to think of some of the uh, some of the folks who've been around around Green Bay. You see, I'd like to see I'd like to see more Donald Driver jerseys. Yeah, just in general, they don't make them. They yeah. need to make them. That's got to be a. He's he was so good. Yeah, the the more the more you see this current Packers receiver core, the more the more you long for that guy who's just going to be around and be productive throughout like every phase of his career. He was man, man, he was he was something else. 
But yeah, that's that's my New York Jets digression, just so that I can be, I can once again, and this happened last year with Mike White too. He looked like a genius for a game and then threw four picks the next yeah. time he went out there and started. So uh, looking forward to that, that phase of the Mike White experience as well. But let the record show that I said free Mike White and uh, they freed Mike White. And all it took was having Zach fucking Wilson. Yeah, Zach Wilson like historically bad i might like zach wilson they just had another guy there who was just the worst bust you've ever seen at quarterback and you're thinking how could this possibly be worse who was that guy sam darnold yeah sam the you know the guy who comes to the sideline is like i'm seeing ghosts yeah oh my god (laughs) my my thing about it is like you uh, if you're a bad quarterback you shouldn't know quotes from the bad quarterback how many josh rosen quotes do you know yeah I know too many Zach Wilson quotes. We know too many Sam Darnold quotes. Josh Rosen, the only one that I can remember is Josh Rosen being asked about, like, you know, your family's rich, so why are you playing football? Do you really like it? And he was like, yeah, my family's rich, and I'm playing football. I love it. I don't have to do this. It's the only one that I know about Josh (laughs) Rosen. Oh, some of these guys who's that quarterback who just came out of liberty with the big like with the Malik big Wills. pedigree yeah yeah he's the titans backup yeah uh, i like him but i don't I yeah don't he, he looked like chance. a he looked like a decent he's looked like a decent player in some in some limited snaps but uh man man these yeah, at least at least brigham young has been they bought their way into legitimacy decades ago whereas li- watching liberty try and do it now if uh, if you ever have some free time, read up a little bit on on Liberty and some of the uh, some of the stuff that's going on there with the, with the, the you know Jerry, Jerry. Falwell Jr. Yeah, yeah Jerry Jr. and all yeah. that stuff that is uh, it's Crazy. bad. Well, the thing about it is, if you watch the Righteous Gemstones, which I do recommend as a qual- as a quality television show, I love I love that the Righteous Gemstones in succession were on at the same time last yeah. year. It was real like. Well, somehow, like somehow they had to tone down what actually goes on at Liberty to make it believable on a parody comedy show (laughs) for the Righteous Gemstones. Like the actual reality of what was going on there is just so much more insane. There are stories that uh, Jerry Falwell Sr., not even Jr., used to have this like giant SUV that he would drive around. And one of the uh, the pranks that he liked to pull was to just drive full speed at Liberty undergrads and start blasting the horn at them. Which, if you put that in the righteous gemstones, that's a man of God. Yeah, that's put, a man of God. Put that on a television screen, people, and like your editor and your producer would be like, "No, you gotta tone that down. That's too, <laughs> too much. No one's gonna believe that if that happens to you." But uh, yeah, that's that's my official cheeseheads recommendation for the day. Watch the righteous gemstones and do not believe anyone out of Brigham Young University unless they are named Jamal Williams. Man, he's he's really good. He's, he's good. Great year he's in great. I love him. Are are they going to figure it out in Detroit? Is Dan Campbell going to going to put together a roster for the Ford family? I, I look. I don't think that. I don't think that Dan Campbell is the coach for when they're good. I think you have to bring in somebody else when they get good. But I think that Dan Campbell is the perfect coach for a rebuilding team like this. Everybody's bought in. Everybody's playing hard. You're seeing performances from Jamal Williams that you didn't really see in 
in four years in Green Bay is the split lead back. Um, he's one of the hardest runners I have ever seen. And that's not to say he's one of the most physically gifted players, but I mean, gosh, a, a rebuilding team, he is so perfect for them because he, he just doesn't know how to be a bad teammate. He doesn't know how to not be playing with like a full out effort every single snap of the game. That's the kind of thing where like you can't teach it. You can't, all you can do is just like continue writing the checks. I mean, Cordell Patterson in the same yeah. category of guys who are, are, so valuable to the teams they're on, but you'll never, if you think back on like the seasons that they were there, maybe you're not going to have the best, uh, best memories of it, but just uh, a fantastic guy. I wish, uh, I wish green Bay would have had, had room for him in that, in that running backs room, even though they didn't. I, I, I completely agree, but I, I, I think they are on offense, a quarterback away. I think that Amon Ross St. Brown is, in the top tier of wide receivers. I think he's, if he's not there already, he's really close. Um, DeAndre Swift and Jamal Williams, that's a great stable. You know, I, I wouldn't expect Jamal Williams to be there in three years when they're good. But I think DeAndre Swift will. They've been putting him on a real snap count. He's a great receiving back. He reminds me a lot of an Alvin Kamara type. Um, where he can he can get you on the ground, but he's, he's just as impactful in the passing game. Um, yeah, I, I think the Lions are three years away from being really good if they can keep this skill group together. Now, what is the biggest issue about the NFL? Keeping any skill group together right. for a long-term period. Uh, so they might have this good team surrounding a, a the most average, below-average quarterback to ever exist in Jared Goff with a coaching staff that doesn't have – the offensive skills to really put it together. Now they they've scored a good amount of points this year, but it's 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 not like they're winning games with it. Um, they've scored, you know, most in this division, but I I I they're not meaningful points. A lot of time they're down by a million. It doesn't matter. Yeah, I I, 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 I by the time this is all together, I don't think it's all going to be together. I think it's a long term timeline that isn't going to work out. Yeah, I was, I was, I've been patiently waiting for the Lions defense to get healthy and, you know, to get Hutchinson on, on the field. And they've definitely looked a little bit better later in the season. But yeah, I, I agree with you that, boy, if they get, if they get an actual quarterback and not a Jared Goff playing that position, they are going to be uh, interesting. They've already overperformed where, where I had them this year at four and seven. So they're, they're already kind of pleasantly surprising me. I did figure that. I figured that they would be better than Chicago by the uh, yeah. by the end of the year, and yeah, they've they've proven me right there. Let's kind of get back to get back to the current situation. You've got you've got the uh, Bears versus the Packers. That's at noon. That is at Soldier Field. Uh, these these are these are getting to be. You know, this is almost a meaningless game for Green Bay. This is at this point a pretty meaningless game. For Chicago, they don't they don't know what's going on in Chicago. Um, I've been I was I was bummed to see Justin Fields have the thing that we knew was going to happen to Justin Fields happen to Justin Fields mm-hmm. because gosh he is he deserves a, a so much better team than Chicago. That is that is a guy who coming into like you know, imagine if he had a good coach and a good front office and a good team around him that'd be that'd be amazing. Well, I, I look at the Justin Fields in Chicago situation 
and I go like, okay, so the first five, six weeks of the year, they had him dropping back like a normal quarterback and trying to throw and beat teams, and he couldn't do it. He has a a terrible offensive line, a bad receiving core. They've got him trying to do normal quarterback things when he's – you know, maybe the most gifted athlete on every football field he steps on to. Then they let him loose and they start designing some quarterback runs and everybody's like, oh my God, look at, look at how Justin Fields looks. He looks fantastic. He's so good. He's just an athlete. He's so good right now. And you know, the quarterback can come along. Do you think that the coaching staff was like, man, if we run him a ton, he's going to get hurt. This happens every time. Yep. This is, I felt like I was going insane watching people complain about that. I'm going, yeah, that's what he has to learn to do. He can do, we all know he can do the other stuff. He needs to get those reps. If he does this, he's going to get hurt. And you can't, you can't have your franchise quarterback get hurt in a serious way. The season doesn't matter. Felt like I was losing my mind. Everybody's. Losing, going, oh, my God, Justin Fields is so good. Maybe the Bears are going to be good now. He can't do this forever. That has to be a once or twice a game type of thing. That has to be a rare, small part of your offense. It's not college football. He's he's a gifted athlete. He will get hurt by the 285-pound 4-4 linebacker barreling down at him. You can't run him like that. Josh Josh Allen shouldn't be doing this. The problem it's with the Bears right now, and I'm I'm sympathetic to what you're saying, but the problem with the Bears right now is that he's gonna get fucking killed in the pocket sure. right now. And and that to me is the bigger issue is that whether he's running or just standing in the pocket and getting destroyed, like there's you know, think about think about the years where the Packers were one of the most incredible offensive teams you've ever seen. Rogers had a knack for knowing when to get out of that pocket and run. And no one's going to ever mistake Rogers for Justin Fields. But at the same time, you didn't see Rogers outside of, you know, maybe a bad hit from the, from uh, Anthony Barr on the Vikings that broke his collarbone out of the pocket. Like you didn't routinely see Rogers getting absolutely murdered because he's standing back there, letting the routes develop and then bailing out when he sees the right alley. And, you know, compare that to Justin Fields who like, you know, he, barely can he can barely set his back foot in the pocket without thinking about like am i about to get absolutely smoked on the blind side because tevin fucking jenkins is my offensive (laughs) is my left tackle like there's there there's no hope at all for the bears right now and it's it's yeah to me it's less about like is he running or is he staying home and more about like is he able to do either of those things with any kind of trust that the guys around him are gonna because if you set up like designed runs you can get him to the boundaries you know, teach him, teach him how to slide a little bit and you can, you let him run up the middle a little bit. I think there's, but there's that, that feeling that Justin Fields has to do everything for the bears right now. And it, it, it's what takes a quarterback who might be more properly coached to be like, if you need 10 yards and you get eight and slide, that's better than getting 12 and breaking your ribs. and, And it takes that guy into thinking that like, well, I want to win because you know, Fields is a good player. He wants to win, and so I better start to start, better start risking myself a little bit, and then you end up getting hurt as opposed to having. You know, I really, I really think that you know you can. I I'm on the side that like a running quarterback. There was this discussion that I'm I'm now bringing you into, but the last the last Bears game, 
against the Jets, I there was this discussion with the uh, with the play by play and the color guy of uh, can you know can a running quarterback win a Super Bowl? Like is is Justin Fields the Super Bowl winning quarterback in Chicago? And you know, the broadcast position was kind of like I don't know if a quarterback who plays this style can can be a championship winner. I don't know that a team who plays like this can win can win Super Bowls and. I think they can. I just think it takes, I think it takes something that you don't see the bears being capable of doing, which is struck properly structuring a team around that player, because that takes a front office that actually makes moves to involve that. I mean, you're about to see the rubber hit the road in Baltimore with Lamar Jackson, who I think is like, they, they have gone 70% of the way they have put 70% of the team around Lamar Jackson to, to support him in the way that he plays but there's that question of, well, are we going to pay pay long term for this guy, or are we going to go back to you know looking for a pocket pass or a more traditional quarterback? And I think eventually, eventually, the team that actually commits to building building a team around a mobile quarterback will have success because it looks impossible to stop when it works. Yeah, I think that. I I totally think you can win a championship with a running quarterback. I think it takes getting them to the end of the postseason healthy, which is the most difficult part of that being a function of your offense. Um, and like Josh, to, Josh Allen totally might do it this year. You know, he, the bills are going to make the playoffs and aren't going to be a top seed most likely, but they're going to make the playoffs and they'll, they'll be pretty good. Um, I, I think it takes just as much as team structure and like getting the right wide receivers that fit their throwing style and guys that can block downfield and all these things. And it also takes getting them healthy. It takes forcing them to limit how much they run. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause you have to, you have to limit the hits that they take uh, more than any other position. You have to pay attention to that. Uh, and I, you know, I think of, of Mike Vick was on some pretty good Eagles teams, but you know, they didn't end up winning anything. And and Colin Kaepernick was fantastic on some some decent Niners teams. Um but you know, outside of that, we haven't really seen anybody like Michael Vick lasted so long. And even towards the end of his career in Philadelphia, he wasn't as much a running quarterback as he was just a really good quarterback. Uh and it it, it feels to me like you see that shift in guys around 28. Uh, and so it's, it's by the time that Justin Fields is getting to his prime as an athlete, is he still a running quarterback or is he now developed all of the skills where he goes like, yeah, I can beat you at 30 yards with my arm first. Uh, and does that style persist? Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Cause you know, Justin Fields has a way of like, I don't know. He just makes me a believer because he's so much fun to watch. And then, yeah, you watch him drop back in the pocket and he just stuff. That's incredibly stupid. And that's, I, I don't know. He's got, he's got me fully, uh, he's got me fully, uh, fully on board despite the fact that, yeah, he, there are times where he looks like the the single worst pocket passer in the, in the league at, at, at certain moments, but all the same. Yeah. Love I think anyway. he's just, I, lo- I love Justin. Field. I think he's just uh, shattered by this bears position. The, bears offensive line around him the bears receiving core around him the bears running backs around him i think he's just scattered scatterbrained and scared uh from these guys that he can't trust him Uh, and i think that he can totally develop into a very good 
pocket passer. I really like Justin Fields. You just got to get some receivers for him and, and build up an offensive line. Yeah, some of these trades that the Bears have made midseason as well to get rid of these guys on defense that they weren't interested in paying is another one of another one of the things that I think makes the Bears embarrassing is that you know, I, I I just do not understand some of these trades that they've made. I know you need more draft picks in the building, but like you know, the thing about it is like if you trade away a guy like Robert Quinn for a draft pick, you're kind of happy if you draft Robert Quinn. Yeah. 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 <laughs> you're a... happy if you draft Roquan Smith. Smith. Yeah. I've seen some stuff, you know, that he hasn't been as good as he, he was previously, but you're still happy with the second. You know, I think they got a second round pick back for Roquan Smith. You're still happy if you get Roquan Smith with that second round pick. You yeah. have, you've got a boat. And a mystery box. And the mystery box could even be a boat. Yeah, exactly. Uh, it's that again. It's it's the exact it's that. It's it's teams love to gamble. A draft pick is always more valuable, infinitely more valuable than it actually is worth. Because 60% of the time it's nothing. Yeah, some of these some of these choices and you know, bringing bringing Chase Claypool in. I said it, I said it last time we recorded, like you have all this upside with Chase Claypool, but the problem is that he's Chase Claypool. And you know, the problem with the Bears with all these draft picks is that the Bears are going to be the ones using them. Yeah. If, if they sent these picks to the Packers or to the Ravens or the Bills, or the Niners, these are all hits. That's a, an incredibly valuable asset, as long as they're not third-rounders in Green Bay. Once they become third-rounders, I, I send them away. Uh Trade them for fourth rounders. Um, but if you trade them to a team that drafts well, these are hits. This is awesome. <laughs> but they're going to the Bears, and the Bears are going to draft three more tight ends with these. Like, I'm just, I'm not, I know it's a different front office now, but I, I just can't trust them yet. A couple of notes before we sign off uh, NFC Rookie of the Month is Christian Watson. Yeah, it's pretty pretty good fucking month yeah. for uh, for Watson. Uh, this is, I know he's not got it all together yet, and I would love to see him stop dropping passes. But all the same, this is this is a guy who's been. If there's if there's hope for the future around the Packers, it's the fact that they drafted Dobbs and Watson, and both have had flashes as rookie wide receivers. And this is they're not they're not doing Jamar Chase shit out there in in year one but at the same time like these guys look like nfl veterans at times and they have a chance to actually like become nfl veterans in the next couple of seasons and i think that bodes really well but boy christian watson is i mean he's got to be terrifying defenses like if he catches the ball and there's not a tackler like already contacting him that is huge trouble it's it that the jordan love throw to him in the eagles game where he kind of catches it on that kind of like just drift. let him out let him out into space shoom uh oh, perfect the guy that's chasing him runs a four three eight mm-hmm. and watson gains steps on him that guy's not getting any closer it's even and then Watkins starts to pull away and and remember this is a christian watkins who has been dealing with a hamstring injury yeah he spent the whole year and those things, a hammy. those things nag you and they come back and they get you when you least expect it. And even through that, this guy is, is faster than any, any football player has a right to be. 
it's I, I remember seeing a stat that he's second in the NFL in 20 mile per hour plays this year. <laughs> First is Tyreek Hill. Uh, but Tyreek Hill has nearly triple the snaps, over double the snaps. Yep. And Watson is like five or six plays behind. You're like, oh, yeah, if he had Tyreek Hill snaps, he would be the fastest player in the league, uh, which is – and it's – the other thing is not just straight line speed. He's quick. He can he can move. It's not just like he's really fast in a straight line like Marquez Valdez-Scantling was. He can bend it. He can cut. It's it's absurd to watch a six foot four, six foot five dude do what he's doing. Yeah, once we once Robio Dobbs gets back, which uh, kind of a coin flip seems like whether he'll play against Chicago, but I would be, I would really be interested in in seeing what the Packers can do if if they were to sign someone who wasn't Sammy Watkins, who uh, has has disappeared. Uh, I think I think that's wishful thinking with the, the yeah, I know. cap situation. I know. Uh, Aaron Rodgers puts us in a hole. Yeah, I don't know that there's any any solution to that immediately, too. I know Rodgers will probably be out there against uh, Chicago, and I can just hope that he's going to continue driving the ball fucking forward. That would be great. Yeah. But uh, yeah, this is a this is a crazy season. You know, this is we've been through a couple of seasons where we scratch our heads on on this show. This one is is a particular head scratcher and uh yeah well, we're looking forward to um looking forward to a bears game bears games have a way of making packers fans feel better yeah at times especially if it's the trevor simeon bears that come out that'll, there yeah that'll be exciting it. yeah this this will be uh this will be feeling good let's see if we can and we can get back to recording a little a little bit more regularly. I know I'm not going to put that on either of our shoulders since <laughs> real, real life has been uh, has been real for for the both of us over the last little while. But uh, both of us got like got like dad time. Your dad was around, right? For a, a yeah. little while. Yeah. Both of us got dad time, which is. Yeah. I don't know. I'm a big fan of a uh, big fan of dad time. Most of the time during the fall, my dad just like heads out into the forest with his with his bow and arrow and hunts deer so so getting dad uh getting dad into the big city for a while was uh <laughs> was a big win on my part so You're looking for deer um yeah he gets he's got his eyes out for him all the time I, yeah. I don't know i could never i've never been a hunter you know you're from you're from the country yeah, right. as well so yeah. i don't know if you had hunting in the family but like it's the uh this the one thing my dad likes more than a good steak dinner is to uh to go out and shoot the shoot the deer with bows and arrows so <laughs> So yeah, getting him away from that was nice. But yeah, we got we got dad time, we got holiday time. But uh, yeah, let's get back and talk about uh, talk about the Bears after next week. This is this is Cheeseheads in Chicago Land. Don't bother following us on Twitter. No one, we don't use that Twitter account. That's uh, something 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 went on with Twitter. I'm sure there've been a few headlines about it. But uh, yeah, I can't uh, I can't bring myself to post there much anymore. So yeah, just uh, just keep on keep on downloading the podcast. We'll have a good time here on. Cheeseheads in Chicagoland. Until next week, we tell them something. Stay cheesy, baby. There it is. <laughs>